patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicated to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of Friends and Fellow Citizens. I'm your host, Sherman Tylowski. Thank you again so much for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and all the other episodes we have available from number one through 61 and episodes from next week onwards. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you get your Friends and Fellow Citizens episodes every week. I hope you will join our community. Before we get into this week's topic, I want to make a very exciting announcement. It's not a huge addition to our show in terms of software, I guess, but it is, I think, going to be a very, very important way we stay connected as a community. You know, over the past year plus, we have really delved into all these different episodes and topics with all these wonderful guests. And I want to do even more this year to have you all um, get closer to, you know, the making of the content and to also remain connected with the episodes every week. And I am very, very excited that we have a new email subscription addition to our website. If you go on to our main website, www.shermantyloski.com, the link is also in the show notes below. If you uh, scroll down a little bit, you will see uh, a little box where you can put your name and your email address. You'll be able to get updates, news, announcements, a notification about the new episode that has come out for that Monday. And so much more. And I hope that you will subscribe to our email list so that you can stay tuned to our amazing announcements and all the other wonderful things that will be coming for this show. I really hope that uh, we will be able to connect even closer and, and better than ever before with our email subscription service. Today's episode is a little bit different than some of my other solo episodes. Every single one of them is unique, but this one, I think, is notably unique. As you know, on this show, we cover a lot about the American Revolution and the Civil War. These two eras are particularly pertinent, especially given really the circumstances. But while we talk about the American Revolution a lot... I do, and as well as uh, some other ones, we do things a little bit differently here. And I want to start a new precedent, a new chapter, so to speak, of our American history conversations and civics conversations. The American Revolution is really, just like a lot of historical events, it's in a it's a time period of coalitions. And oftentimes that those coalitions don't just exist within a landmass or a group of colonies. They might even be somewhat aligned across an ocean, like the, the Atlantic Ocean. 
And that's what this episode is all about. We're co- just covering one aspect of our allies all the way in Parliament. Now, you might be wondering, oh, geez, what, what is this all about? Well, I'll tell you, this this man, I didn't know anything about him, okay? When I, when I heard this name, and once you hear it, you'll kind of have the same reaction I, like I did, which is, who, who is this guy? I ne- never heard of him. Tell me more. <laughs> and this man is named William Dowdswell. Now, there's a few William Dowdswells out there. The one that I'm talking about is the guy who was born in 1721, because his dad was also named William Dowdswell. I believe his son was also named Dowdswell, and maybe some, someone else was also named William Dowdswell down the line. But this one was born in 1721, and he was the Chancellor of the Exchequer under one of the British Prime Ministers during the American Revolution. William Dowdswell bit about his background. He was born in Worcestershire. He was ed- he went to Oxford. He went to Westminster School at Christchurch, Oxford. Uh, they went to school in the Netherlands. And uh, he was part of a very prominent political family in Britain. And that's actually kind of how he became the member of parliament representing his family's borough of Tewkesbury. Tewkesbury is in Gloucestershire, which is on the Western side of the UK. Some of you might know I went to school in Britain, um, so I, I'm kind of half quizzing myself on where these counties really are. The reason why I bring up Dowdswell is, um, you know, he, as I mentioned earlier, the Chancellor of the Exchequer is basically the treasurer of the British government. Uh, this guy and his department puts together the budget. They're supposed to watch every single penny, and uh, they have a very, very important role, especially nowadays. Nowadays, they, they kind of have that rank of vice president, if you want to uh, use an American no- an analogy for this. Not exactly vice president, but right up there. Very, very prominent uh, cabinet position. Dowdswell was chancellor from... July 1765 to August 1766. So he wasn't in government for very, very long. He was the chancellor under a prime minister named Charles Watson Wentworth, the Marquess of Rockingham. And because that is so long to say, uh, we are going to call him Rockingham. And that's usually how he was referred to. There might be a perception that Great Britain was politically very aligned as one unit against the colonies. And for the most part, it was. Uh, If you look at how Parliament voted on particular measures that punished the colonies, it was actually very overwhelming. But there were a handful of very prominent figures who were not only prominent in British politics, but people people on the other side, you know, on the American side... (laughs) the Patriot side, and really admired. Some of them are really prominent names. Edmund Burke is perhaps the most well-known. And we won't cover him a whole lot in this episode. But today I want to acknowledge that there were these Brits who had this kind of like-minded mentality, just just kind of like the the Patriots a little bit, or at least shared those kinds of concerns. And Dowdswell was one of those guys. Now, Dowdswell, as chancellor, you know you have to be really, really good at your job. You have to know how to manage finances. You have to have some kind of understanding. And Dowdswell had always been a more fiscally conservative person. He was really concerned about this huge spending 
uh, with the uh, Navy and the uh, Army and uh, all the other branches of government. Um, he, pro- he certainly witnessed the, the Seven Years' War, which is the conflict that preceded all these uh, protests in the colonies. And he probably was very concerned about how much bigger the military is going to get because after a war like that, you, you know that there's going to be people who are going to say, well, we got to we got to absolutely boost the military because we don't want France coming and coming back and and uh, and causing more trouble, and we, we we don't want anyone else to be causing trouble either. Uh, but Dowdswell was very wary of spending far too much, more than what you can afford, and this might be one of the reasons why he's re- really well known as one of the better chancellors of what uh, a better, better chancellor of the exchequers out there. He was even. Praised by his successor Charles Townsend, who, well, he was he was very very unpopular, and so I can understand why he had to kind of praise Dowdswell here because he he probably couldn't even praise himself. Uh, he he was praised by his successors, praised by other prominent members of Parliament. Uh, but Dowdswell, you know, just like so some other people was a little weird um and weird in terms of position on the american colonies he was considered a moderate and a moderate's pretty hard to define then it certainly very very hard to define nowadays but but for his moderate position was more along the lines of you know he, ideally he didn't want to see you know, the, uh, the great britain lose the colonies but he also understood the realism he understood the implications when you to try to have the you know the two wrongs make a right sort of mentality. In this case, you're doubling down on the, the punitive efforts, whether it's from the crown or from the British government on the colonies. He was very very concerned about that, and he didn't like that at all. Um, he was someone who was very influential for Rockingham. Uh, Rockingham was uh, a prime minister twice. Uh, the first time was in the 1760s, and um, you know, as you have to understand that a prime minister, yes, the very, very prominent now has a lot of power. But at that time, you know, who had all the power, right? Or at the final say, that was George III. And so prime minister, yes, they were in control of government. Uh, but my, my feeling is that a lot of these guys really stayed in power because they, they got to be treated pretty well by the, by the royals. And so... Um, you know, Dowdswell is very, very vocal about uh, about just a lot of issues in general, but especially about the American colonies. And I'll, I'm going to read a couple passages from what he said. Here's a, a view that uh, he expressed about uh, the Townsend duties, which might sound sounds familiar, right? And um, real brief, before we get to that, um, he served as chancellor and Rocky and well, you didn't make it that first time. And there's another guy, new guy that came in. Uh, his name was William Pitt, and you know, for for the sake of his title, we're gonna call him Chatham. Uh, Dowdswell understood that his loyalty was not towards Chatham, so he could have stayed in government, but he decided that he was wasn't gonna stay, and that he he didn't want to abandon his friends. He knew that he needs you need someone, especially in that kind of political environment, you need someone loyal to Chatham. And not Rockingham, because Rockingham was out, and so he left. And and he was now becoming more vocal about what was happening in the colonies. Here's what he said in a letter to Rockingham. He discussed 
and this was 1768, he wrote to Rakim, his former boss, and he said, quote, a repeated opposition from that side of the water upon a principle directed against all duties for revenue must be met. It must either be admitted, which is timidity, weakness, irresolution, and inconsistency, or it must be resisted, and the arms of this country must be exerted against her colonies. Unquote. Now it sounds really it sounds like he was really really for you know clamping down on the colonies. This for me is more of a recognition of realism. No, he knew that Americans were not going to give up this fight. I, I don't know exactly how he picked that up. Maybe it's because of the things that he read about. Maybe he traveled there. Um, I, I I haven't seen some of those travel logs or whatever and showing him where he went. But did Dowdswell is really showing an example of realism that wasn't very prominent in Parliament. You know, there is such that there is such that distance between Parliament and the colonies. You know, colonies have their own kind of business going on, and Parliament is kind of just sitting around. Or at least it's the perception. It's kind of sitting around and just just bossing everybody around, telling people how much tax they have to pay, not listening to what the colonies did. Uh, if the colonies you know, protested about something, you know, Parliament just kind of sit back and just be like, ha, 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 well, well, guess what? I'm we're gonna put on some more punishments on you because apparently they think that it's gonna get more money and they're gonna get more power. Dowswell also said something about the Townsend Act, which he essentially said that if Britain cannot enforce the Townsend Acts or really any duties, it it has lost the colonies completely. They they don't have any sovereignty. They don't have any power. And this is once again something that wasn't recognized by probably by a lot of members of Parliament. You know, they just assumed that well, okay, this is just an act of rebellion, and and it was. But uh, you know, Dowdswell is trying to tell people, look, you cannot just turn your head, or, you know, um, and not look at what what is happening right in front of your eyes. Dowdswell used this um, this kind of fiscal conservative mindset too, and uh, he he wrote to uh, he, he wrote to someone here. He well, actually, he concluded here. This is what he said. He said. I could find much to say against any dissent that any man could offer, but upon the whole, moderate measures are less dangerous. And if we come off at last with a loss, those must answer for it who have wantonly and unnecessarily revived the question, and I believe now profess that these these duties were laid merely as a test to the Americans. Unquote. So first, he's kind of alluding that he knew, kind of knew how Americans would react. They, were, they weren't going to just take this and just be like, all right, well, this is just a little problem. We'll we'll deal with it later. He also had a feeling that you no, know, there's there's a bunch of bullies out there, you know, and there there's some people who like Lord North, who was future prime minister. He was actually the main prime minister who was really involved in the oversight of the uh, British forces and action during the American Revolution. Um, I found a passage in a book from Dowdswell and the story goes is that 
Uh, you know, after the Boston Tea Party, there was something called the Boston Port Act, which is part of a series of acts that punished Boston, particularly for what it was doing to the tea. And uh, what happened was that the there was a bill that was going to be put out, and initially they were going to drop the uh, import duty uh, for the for the the, uh, the the colonies, but it, it just disappeared, it just went away for no reason. And it, it was probably probably Lord North. Um, he again, he had enormous power; he could do whatever he wants essentially. And George the Third, no doubt, was, uh, was clapping along as he was doing this. It says here, you know, it was said that Lord North has had insisted on deleting it, like the, the the passage that I just mentioned. The few friends of America in Parliament raised the issue promptly, however. One of the more plain-spoken of them, William Dowdswell, warned North to his face, quote, I tell the noble Lord now, if he don't take off the duty, they won't take the tea, unquote. He was right, of course, but Lord North, so like the king in looks and stubbornness, nimbly dodged through the rain of criticism that followed Dowdswell's remarks. Quote, it is, a, it is to no purpose making objections, the prime minister finally declared, deciding to cut for, off further debate. The king will have it so. The king means to try the question with America. Unquote. Well... What he didn't realize is that it is a no pur- to no purpose of having George III really do anything. That's really the main thing that he didn't get. Uh, but you can see the kind of tensions that existed there, even though by sheer numbers of votes, it was pretty overwhelming in favor of punishing the colonies. But imagine if there was more debate and people started really listening to each other on the different debates and actually had a real conversation. Uh, about what was happening in the colonies. I'm not saying that there would have been different votes. However, there could have been been more of a reality check. And it goes back to what I was saying about Dowdswell, is that he really was the reality check guy. He was just saying, look, I don't care what you think about the colonies. This is exactly what they're going to do to us. And we don't realize that there are better ventures, perhaps, to explore rather than going down this very, very destructive path, uh, we might be in, in a much better place than we are now. Burke, as I mentioned earlier, really admired uh, William Dowdswell. He wrote that, quote, we cannot find a leader whom a man of honor and judgment would so soon choose to follow, unquote. Um, Dowdswell was... Like in domestic politics, right? Now, I know I'm cutting a little bit into British politics here, but I think it says a lot about his character as well. Um, one time he was really faced this challenge with putting together a government because, you know, unlike in the US, you have to, if you don't have a majority, you have to find other groups within parliament to uh, make deals and to form a government. And he was kind of asked this question. Could you could you have a coalition? Um, he was part of this group called the Rockingham Tories, clearly named after uh, his former boss Rockingham. And he said something that I think is very very important. It's not just something that's relevant to British politics, but relevant to anyone who's interested in politics. He said, "In quote, in these unhappy times, when we find ourselves well in the opinion of mankind, 
The wisest thing we can do is to stand still and enjoy the reputation we have, not risk it for something new, the chances of which are so much against it, unquote. When I hear something like that, I, I hear from a man who is not only realistic, but who knows how to appreciate the good things in life. And, and, not, and this is not something that you often see. You, you often see so many politicians and elected officials, whatever their tensions are, they, they don't want to, want to recognize that the winds have changed or that, um, th- that they need to step aside perhaps to let someone in you know, because they might have this mentality of, oh, I own this office. No one owns the office. Actually, the, the only, the only uh, people who own the office to some degree is, is the people, the people who elected you to that office. Dowdswell uh, would unfortunately face uh, some health problems later on. Uh, he reportedly said uh, after the after the port act, kind of as a continuation of what I said earlier, he said he warned that the act will quote soon inflame all America and stir up a contention you will not be able to pacify and quiet unquote. You know, kind of really furthering this idea that he really knew how the Americans would behave. He once said to Parliament, or and the government, he said, you are not now contending for a point of honor. You are struggling to obtain a most ridiculous superiority. Unquote. Parliament didn't listen. They passed something called the Regulating Bill, lopsided majority, basically another way to punish the colonies. And Dowdswell, like I said earlier, he had some health problems. He died in 1775. So he actually never witnessed what the final result was. Now it's a good time to think think a little bit about the lessons from a man named William Dowdswell. While he's not an American citizen technically, he was an ally, an early ally of a country that hadn't been formed yet. The Declaration of Independence wasn't even signed by the time he died. But I believe it's really important for all of us, you know, everyone on the show and people all across the U.S. to understand the importance of having allies who share those values because they are out there. You know, it's not like you know you you have to have the exact same you know citizenship because everyone's got different backgrounds right everyone has grown up in different circumstances um and depending on what exactly you believe in but there are reasons for why you know, people grow in different environments and i believe that we need to do everything we can to honor the legacy of those who believed in the thought process of america now again dowdswell was not one to vocally say, well, I love America so much and I'm going to do this and that. Uh, but he he understood the American psyche earlier and better than most people, probably even before some of the founders. I, I don't know, but you know, if he had lived longer, he, pre- he would probably would have been able to write about it, would have more more things to write about. And he, he, I would be so interested to hear his reflections. But alas, that's how life is. Life is short. 
And I hope that Dowdswell will serve as a, a great example. While he's a minor example in the sense that he's not super duper famous, uh, but his legacy and his way of doing things, the character that he embodied, of the thoughts that he th- put together himself um, to have a fiscally conservative viewpoint. Now, when I say fiscally conservative, I don't necessarily mean just party politics. I mean, just keeping track of the money, knowing how to pay for things. We talk about fiscal responsibility here as one of the pillars of Washington's farewell address. And he would be, an, he would have been a really great example of some of those values that we cherish a lot here in America. And I really hope that for this podcast, we will do our part to recognize and honor those who served alongside what would be the United States in different capacities. Regardless of what his own politics were in England, I had no idea what his platform was. Like I said, he came from a political family, so that definitely helped him a lot. But I want to take this time to to recognize that Dowdswell has been a very interesting case study for me, and I hope it was for you too. This is one just one episode of many that we're going to focus on in terms of recognizing what was happening on the other side of the pond. And perhaps with my background, having studied in the UK, it's also going to be very interesting for me as a creator to be able to create these episodes and offer you guys uh, some more interesting facts and quotes from some people who may not have the most famous names, but they had quite an honorable character. And that, for me, is good. And I'm sure it is the same for you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode about William Dowdswell. I hope you enjoyed it. And make sure to check out the email subscription box on the main page of my website. Put your name and email in there so that you can get all the latest news, announcements, and all things friends and fellow citizens. This will be a wonderful way for me to communicate with all of you and to have you all stay in the loop of this podcast for months and years to come. Have a great rest of your day and great week. And remember, a day in America always gets better when we are with our friends and fellow citizens. <laughs>